Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be the almost Christian. Let's begin in Acts chapter 26. In Acts chapter 26, beginning in the 22nd verse, it says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Verse 28 is very important. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The key word here is almost. He came close to becoming a Christian. He was near conversion, but never crossed the threshold of fully becoming a Christian. Paul presented the gospel to him. He saw Paul living it out through his actions and through his works. And even in the face of all this, he still remained almost Christian. Almost is nice, but it's not enough. Salvation is never partial. It must always be a complete work. Since almost isn't sufficient, it's important that we understand what the hurdle was that kept King Agrippa back from becoming a full Christian. Today we find many people who are in this almost category. We find them at our jobs, in our families, and in many cases even in churches. These people have had the gospel preached and explained to them. They've seen the men of God living out the word day by day, but they still haven't fully come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. These people aren't hostile towards Christianity, but they're not necessarily supportive of it either. They're in the middle, the lukewarm, uncommitted center. The Lord says in Revelation 3 and 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The Greek word for lukewarm is kolaros. The concordance says that it means tepid, lukewarm, metaphorically of the condition of the soul, wretchedly fluctuating between inactivity, lethargy, and a fervor of love. This is what is happening in the lives of those in the almost category. Their soul, whether they are able to discern it or not, is in a state of tumultuous upheaval. They're being pulled in opposite directions. The Lord is trying to draw them closer to himself, while at the same time the enemy is trying to pull them away further from God. 
This leads to a person feeling confused, needing help, and needing answers. It's our job to help and to minister to these people the same way that we're called to minister to anyone else who hasn't yet received salvation. We need to understand that something is holding them back and something is in their way. Once we know what that thing is, we can then address the problem head on and help them to get over the hurdle so that they can be led out of the almost category and into faith in Christ. Verse 28 said, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. A key element of this verse is persuasion. The Greek word for persuadest is pitho, meaning to be induced to believe, to have faith, to convince by argument, to reflexively or passively assent to evidence or authority, to rely by inward certainty. The concordance also says, the Lord persuades the yielded believer to be confident in his preferred will. This involves obedience, but it's properly the result of God's persuasion. This is what could have and should have happened in Agrippa's life. He should have believed and had faith. He should have been convinced and he should have had inward certainty. But the fact is he didn't. And this still leaves us with the same question. Why wasn't he persuaded? Understanding the concept of almost and understanding what exactly persuasion is, is the foundation of our study. Next, we need to look at verses 26 through 27, which said, For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. There are a few things that we must make note of in these verses. Paul said he was persuaded that Agrippa had heard the gospel and seen what he needed to see in order to come to faith. This means that he was confident and had an inward certainty that Agrippa had seen the gospel lived out before him. The next thing that we need to make note of is the difference between belief and faith. Although many Christians use these two terms interchangeably, they are actually very different, and the difference in their meanings gives us a deeper insight into why Agrippa wasn't fully persuaded. We need to take a closer look at these two and see what exactly they mean. The first one that we need to look at is belief. Paul first asked Agrippa if he believed the prophets. Then he said, I know that thou believest. What is belief? Noah Webster defined belief as to credit upon the authority or testimony of another, to be persuaded of the truth of something upon the declaration of another, or upon evidence furnished by reasons, arguments, and deductions of the mind, or by other circumstances than personal knowledge. When we believe upon the authority of reasoning, arguments, or concurrence of facts and circumstances, we rest our conclusions upon their strength or probability and their agreement with their own experience. This shows us that belief has to do with the soul because it's concerned with the mind and the intellect. Believing is of the mind. Paul said, I know that thou believest. Paul could discern that Agrippa understood his arguments and that he could rationalize what he was being taught. But Agrippa's problem was that he never went beyond belief. It never went beyond his mind and his intellect. We get further insight into this by the use of the phrase, for the king knoweth. In Greek, this phrase means to put the mind upon, to comprehend, to be acquainted with, to know, to understand. These are all faculties of the mind. Agrippa believed with his mind, but he didn't believe with his heart. Belief can be used in both a natural or a spiritual context. It's not exclusive to one or to the other. This means that belief can produce two different types of effects. The concordance says that the word for belief comes from the words for faith and persuaded. 
It means to believe, to affirm, to have confidence. It is used of persuading oneself through human believing or with the sacred significance of being persuaded by the Lord through faith believing. Only the context indicates whether belief is self-serving and without sacred meaning or the believing that leads to or proceeds from God's inbirthing of faith. King Agrippa's belief was natural. It was self-serving, without sacred meaning. He let his carnal mind get in the way of the blessing that he could have received. He could have had a new life with Christ, but he let his mind get in the way. If he had opened up his heart to God, God would have birthed faith within his spirit. It's belief that prepares us to receive the gift of faith. Belief should lead to faith. James 2 and 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. This shows us clearly the two different directions that belief can go. The demons believe that Jesus is Lord, otherwise they wouldn't leave when he commands them to go. Although they believe in Jesus, they don't have faith in Jesus. The same is true of many people today. They believe in Jesus, but they don't have faith in him. You will find many people today who when asked about their thoughts about Jesus will gladly say that they believe in him, but you won't see the evidence of faith in their life. This is because their belief is carnal. It stays in their mind, it never produces, and it never has led to faith. Belief is fundamental, it's necessary, but we have to let it go beyond the mind so that it can lead to faith in our life. Next we need to look at faith. What exactly is faith? Faith in the Greek is the word pistis. The concordance says faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. Faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief and confidence, yet involving it. The Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer so they can know what he prefers through the persuasion of his will. We can never produce faith in our own lives. Only God can produce it in us. He puts it within our spirit. The same way that belief has to do with the soul, faith has to do with our spirit, because our spirit is the part of us by which we connect to God. Faith goes beyond belief. King Agrippa was missing faith. Since faith can't be produced by people, Paul was able to help him come to belief, but he wasn't able to give him faith. That was between him and God. Agrippa would have had to have opened up his heart and let God produce faith within his spirit. One other important thing that we need to look at from this definition is persuasion. Verse 28 said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The reason that he wasn't persuaded was because he was looking for persuasion to come from man. He was looking for the answer to come from reasoning and arguments and logic. And although these things are not bad in and of themselves, they must be subjected to and predicated on our faith and the word of God in order to be truly profitable in our life. God gave us these mental capabilities and he desires for us to use them, but they need to be informed by our relationship with God, not the other way around. No persuasion that comes from man will ever be sufficient. That's why we need faith. As we saw earlier, faith is God's divine persuasion. This is the only persuasion that can ever truly change our lives. Faith is purely a work of God. Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author and finisher. The work is completely his from beginning to end. He desires to do this work in people's lives, but they have to let him do it. Christ is a gentleman. He never goes where he's not wanted. He'll come into a person's life 
and put faith within their spirit, but he first has to be invited in. The next question that we must ask ourselves is how do people overcome the hurdle of lacking faith and getting out of the almost category? The answer is simple. They need to invite Christ into their heart to be their personal Lord and Savior. Jesus said in Revelation 3 and 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The almost Christian believes that Christ is there. They know that he's at the door, but they never fully let him in. This is because it requires surrender. It requires faith to give control of your life over to God. If you could boil all of Christianity down into one word, it would be surrender. When we became born again, we surrendered to God. We surrendered to his word and surrendered to his will for our lives and to his plan for our lives. Only when a person surrenders and only when this takes place will God produce faith in that person's spirit. Surrender is how a person goes from almost Christian to being fully Christian. Agrippa believed, but he never surrendered, so his belief never went beyond the mind and the intellect. It's not only our job to help these people believe by teaching them the facts of the gospel, but we also need to tell them of their need to surrender so that their belief can lead to faith. King Agrippa used the term Christian, which only appears in the Bible three times. Its use in this verse is very important. Christian simply means a follower of Christ. If we are to be fully Christian, we need to fully follow, using our entire being. Christianity is not a religion. It's a lifestyle. It's a relationship with God, which encapsulates every area and every aspect of our lives. In order to better understand how we are called to follow, we need to look at how God designed us. God designed us as a trinity, spirit, soul, and body, because he created us in his likeness and in his image, and he is a trinity. Each of these parts of us is distinct and has its own purpose. Our spirit is the part of us that deals only with the spiritual. Our body is the part of us that deals only with the natural, and the soul is the mediator between them. God dwells within our spirit because it's the most precious, intimate part of our being. When God gives us commands, they originate in our spirit. They're processed by our soul and they're executed by our body. This is how we were made. Since our spirit is the part of us that connects to God, before we're born again, it becomes insensitive from inactivity and a lack of use. When we become born again, the Lord gives us a new spirit. Ezekiel 36 verses 26 to 27 say, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Once God puts a new spirit within us, and dwells within us, we are able to follow him through our entire being, spirit, soul, and body. We follow in our spirit through faith, because faith is purely spiritual. We follow in our soul through our belief. It's important that earlier we saw that belief can be either natural or spiritual based on context. The same way that the soul is the mediator between the spirit and the body, belief mediates between the spiritual and the natural. It also mediates between following in faith and following in the body. This leads us to our next question. How do we follow through the body? Let's go to James chapter 2. In James chapter 2, beginning in the 14th verse, it says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith, 
and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers, and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We fall in the body through works. These are the fruits that faith produces in our lives. If we lead an almost Christian or anyone else to the Lord, and they receive faith, we will know it by their works that they outwardly manifest. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 20, Wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. Our works are the natural product of our faith. These three form a trinity, which is just one piece of a pattern of trinities that runs all throughout Scripture. It's faith, belief, and works. This is the order that God has established. When we have all these three, faith, belief, and works, operating in our lives, we will be truly following the Lord, and we will be true, full Christians. King Agrippa never got to experience this because he wouldn't allow Christ into his life to produce faith within. Today we have faith, we have inward certainty, and we've been persuaded by God's divine persuasion. That's why we're listening to this program today. Romans chapter 8 verses 38 through 39 tell us, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been persuaded, but others haven't yet been. We can't persuade them. It's outside of our ability, and it's outside of our control. They need the divine persuasion that only God can give them. Our job is to continue to speak life and to spread the gospel. We need to tell them in love of their need to surrender their lives to God and let Him take control. And when we do our job, God will do His. Our prayer for the almost Christians around us should be the same as Paul's after Agrippa said that he was almost persuaded. Acts 26 and 29 says, And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether, such as I am, except these bonds. Let's answer the call today to make the almost around us the altogether among us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that we have been fully persuaded that you've made us altogether a follower of you. And Lord, we ask that you grant us wisdom so that we can follow you in an ever more fuller way as we grow in faith. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us belief, that you've given us faith, and that that faith manifests in our works. And Lord, we know 
all these people around us who are stuck in the almost category don't have to stay in that place, that they can be freed. And Lord, we ask that you give us the wisdom to speak life and speak the gospel to them so that they may be set free and that their belief will not get stuck at their mind and their intellect, but that they'll feel that urge to surrender so that their belief can lead to faith and then to works. Lord, we thank you that it is not your will for us to be almost followers, but that it is your will for us to be full and altogether followers of you. And Lord, today we answer that call to bring those around us who are almost into the altogether category. And Lord, we thank you. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be fully, altogether a Christian and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.